Welcome to the Roll Bama Roll Podcast. I'm Wesley Gullett. As always, I'll be joined by Brad Canning. Brad, before we get started, we have some pretty significant news on our guest for next week's episode. Yeah, I mean, I, I think at this point, though, with how long it's been since we've had a guest, uh, a name <laughs> period is just you know just fine with everybody because it's not just us two again, specifically me. So no, last episode we uh, you know kind of threw it out there. We're going to have Phil Steele back on in July. Just wanted to let everybody know next week's episode will feature Phil Steele live, uh, and we're going to do like we did last year when we talked with Phil. Over the next few days on Roll Bama Roll, we're going to go ahead and put out. Uh, an article. We're going to want questions, topics, anything you guys can think of, no matter if it's just plain Jane or if it's something crazy. If I like it, we're going to ask Phil. We got a couple questions for him, and uh, we got some room we can fill with some of your questions or topics you'd like to hear Phil give his opinion on. Look, the Phil Still College Football Preview Magazine, to me, it always kind of signifies that the season's close. I, like, I don't know if you have that one thing that happens where it's like, oh, okay, now, like we're getting there. We're on the home stretch. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's like this. It's when you're watching the sunrise at the beach. This is the first crack of that that orb coming across the horizon. Yeah, when his magazine comes out, that's sort of always that first indicator for me. But the consensus thought, and of course, history tells us he has the most accurate preseason predictions of any preview site or magazine or whatever you, you choose to use. Uh, I've never been as sure of that, Brad, as I was last September because his magazine, it, this sounds weird, but it literally made me money. Okay. So, okay, go on. Of, of course. And why the hell did you not tell me and the listeners? <laughs> hey, I invited you. Okay. I did. I invited you. So of course I ordered the magazine. We interviewed him. And shortly after I took a trip to Vegas with some friends in which I invited you to. And our plan was to basically sit at a sports book all weekend, watch games, bet on week one college football. Well, you know, week one college football is always, it has some mystery to it. So I decided to bring the magazine, basically use it to fill myself in on, on teams in matchups that I, I knew a little bit about. Like a team that I, I really was not that educated on, I would go to his magazine. So there were games on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I came out in the green all three days, largely due to Phil Stills magazine. True story. Now, most of us, including me, we took all of those winnings from those three days and we put it on Miami in the Miami LSU Sunday night game. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Miami was favored. They were supposed to be a top 10 team coming into the season. LSU was coming off a down year. Then LSU <laughs> ran Miami out of the stadium and we all basically lost three days worth of winnings. So. Yeah, you know, but it was uh, it was fun while it lasted. It was, and, it was uh, a good three days. I'm not I'm not shocked to hear that uh, you know Phil can give you pretty solid advice in terms of college football or betting. Um, now, what I'm curious with Phil is how far on a limb with, will he go this year? Uh, last year didn't really have a lot of controversy outside of you know predicting Oklahoma or uh, predicting Notre Dame to go undefeated and make the college football playoff. He actually talked about that last year on our episode too, which they did. Uh, but he was a little bold on Texas. I have a feeling we're going to be a little bold on Texas again this year when we talk to him. It wouldn't surprise me, man. Uh, Texas has had, had some good classes come in. I think they're on the right track. I mean, I know we always hear that the Texas is back thing. I think they're, they're actually getting there. Yeah, but you can't be as tired of that as you can of Georgia fans. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's always next year. So. Yeah. I'm not advocating for gambling. 
All I'm saying it do, is that it does not hurt when it comes to those early season mystery toss-up games. But but moving on, uh, Brad, the Battle for Atlantis tournament announced on Thursday that Nate Oates and the Alabama basketball team will open the tournament in November against Roy Williams and the University of North Carolina. Michael Jordan ain't played nobody, Paul. <laughs> so literally game five or six of the Nate Oates era will be a neutral site tournament game against one of the all-time great college basketball programs. It's just so fitting, though. When you think about it, what's been made of this you know, entire transition, the narrative that's around this team, especially within the fan base, this is just a perfect matchup, especially if you look at the overall field and how that actual bracket's going to work if you win or lose in the first round. I mean, you're going to be looking at some pretty awesome matchups that typically Alabama would not be playing, especially early in the regular season. Yeah, and look, we'll spend more time on this, obviously, when that time comes. But North Carolina is ranked in the top 10 or top 15 in just about every preseason poll right now. But this is such an ideal time for Nate Oates to get this game. Because North Carolina just lost Colby White, Nazir Little, Luke May, Cam Johnson, and Kenny Williams. All five starters are gone. Then 7th Woods just announced his transfer. He came off the bench. He got playing time last year at North Carolina. So if there was literally ever a time for Alabama to get this game and somehow pull an upset, it's early in the, in the year when North Carolina basically had to revamp their their entire lineup. And, you know, what's crazy that just came to mind, too, is is getting that game. And if you could pull that off, <sighs> I you're single-handedly destroying in terms of what it has been for Alabama basketball the last decade alone with these awesome early season starts. And then after about game 14, yeah, uh, it's, yeah, we, we, pull a, yeah. we pull a little illegal U-turn out in the highway. But, uh, you know, I think if you can match up to some team like that, regardless that they've lost their entire starting five, it's freaking North Carolina. They're yeah, exactly. always bringing in top talent. So, to me, oh, man, let's, uh, let's go ahead. Let's kill some narratives out here because – uh, I did see an interesting stat that Buffalo was, I believe, the 14th fastest average possession team last year under Nate Oates. Look, I don't know about North Carolina, but uh, I don't think they play consistently fast as what we can. We got some pretty good talent. Hopefully they get a little bit better than what the practice is going, from what I understand, in terms of percentage shooting every day. Mm-hmm. But we got plenty of time, and who knows? You know, they struggled last year in the tournament when they played Auburn, when they played a team that could get up and down the court like that. And North Carolina historically has been been a, a fast-paced, up-and-down-the-court team. And they, they usually, that's not that's not the game that you really want to get in with them. But all, when they matched up against Auburn, a team in which that was really their identity, it did not go well. It went as poorly as <laughs> as it could possibly go for North Carolina. Yeah, especially with an undersized front, you know, that they yeah. had too out there. But, um, no, I mean, look, Alabama, that, that's the benefit is that they're going to be catching them so early. I think if this game was yeah. 20 games to film in, it'd be a lot different, regardless of it being the Battle of Atlantis or not. Um, but, man, we got a, a gold medal winner that's going to lead us down to Atlantis, and we're going to see what we can come out with. Uh, speaking of the gold medal winner in Kyra Lewis, North Carolina has a top five recruit in Cole Anthony at point guard coming in. So a lot of NBA eyes are going to be on that Kyra Lewis-Cole Anthony matchup 
uh, that's going to be a really, really big opportunity for Kyra early in the season. Oh, I have a feeling that game, that matchup, it is not going to disappoint. <laughs> no. And in North Carolina, they also hit the grad transfer market. They got two really talented mid-major guys in Christian Keeling and uh, Justin Pierce. So this is going to be an early test for Nate Oates, no matter what. So, it, But it's not out of the realm of possibility that he can make that early splash at, at Alabama. About It's probably going to be about the fifth or sixth game into the season, into, into the Nate Oates era. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, a little early in, in terms of timing within the system it, itself, you know, with live game action, especially against top tier talent. But there's no way to truly assess your team in the direction you're going after all this time of trying to implement that new system, the conditioning, everything, then to play this type of uh, this caliber of an opponent. This early. It's perfect. I mean, it's a win-win for Alabama, no pun intended, whether they do win it or not, uh, yeah. in my eyes, as long as they don't get blown off the damn floor. So. Yeah. Uh, also, the winner of that game plays the winner of the Michigan-Iowa State game, uh, the loser's matchup as well in the loser's bracket. So there's potential for an Alabama versus Steve Prom matchup there. So that's another storyline in this tournament for Nate Oates. But uh, sticking with the basketball theme, Brad, we now know – that Arizona, Creighton, Kansas, Louisville, USC, NC State, and LSU are under NCAA investigation. <laughs> it sucks to be poor. <laughs> like, I mean, I can't relate. We got enough damn money around with the boosters and rack everything. You know, like, hey, you saw we had 16 minor infractions to only for football. I mean, <laughs> I right. hate it. Look, like, look, you're going to be poor. I can't help you, fam. Like, that's it. It sucks. But uh, one of those schools intrigues me outside of the whole Will Wade debacle, which that makes its own jokes. But there's one on that list. Uh, uh, I, I had my eye catch. I bet I know who, who which school that is. <laughs> um, once you get past the once once you get past LSU. Uh, you have to imagine a guy like like Trendon Wofford could potentially get a waiver. Maybe that story isn't done if, if something happens with LSU there. But what stands out is our former coach Mark Godfrey is back in the news. And that, that has not been a good sentence to say for a long time for him. Well, it's been a very common sentence to say for a long time. <laughs> um, you know, like the earth is round. Well, it's flat to some people, but it's round and uh, water's wet. So, uh, But, hey, Mark did not uh, proven cheat while at Alabama. <laughs> That's right. The former Alabama basketball coach got hit with some pretty major rules violations. He, he got hit with a failure to monitor, which is almost like it's a dagger for head coaches. Yeah. yeah it's, I mean, you're pretty much done when you get the failure to monitor. It's, uh, it's like a lack of institutional control for right, head coaches. Yeah. Uh, and a failure of head coach control, which that's a, that's a new one for me. That is. I, I have not heard that one before. But again, it's the NCAA, so I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised I found out they made this two years ago. So Yeah, uh, apparently NC State thought Dennis Smith was worth $40,000. Uh, honestly, I agree with them. But unfortunately for Mark Gottfried, uh, you, you can't do that. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, we'll, see, uh, we'll see what kind of solace he takes in with his retreat to the beach uh, <laughs> as he tries to process this news. Yeah, the, but the most hilarious part of all of this is that Cal State Northridge just hired him as their head basketball coach. And they knew <laughs> this. They knew this before the hire. A grand jury yeah. subpoenaed NC State in January of 2018. So anyone with a functioning brain knew what was coming for Mark Godfrey, but Cal State Northridge, with no athletic director, by the way, 
Apparently, <laughs> I don't know how they made this hire. Like, I don't know how this process worked for them. I guess they just Googled unemployed head coaches that had been to the tournament before and just hired <laughs> it off their Google search or something. But, yeah, uh, I, I have a feeling that it's Cal State and Northridge. The, the, the length of, of time that he's going to spend at that job is, is not going to be great. Well, I guess uh, they called him uh, when they did that Google search for unemployed head coaches in the NCAA basketball realm that have made the tournament. Uh, they called him first because his name would come before Avery Johnson's. So that's not surprising. Although, uh, yeah, I agree. Looks like his uh, sunshine days are over before they began. All right, Brad. Sports Illustrated released an early preview of quarterback prospects for the 2020 NFL Draft this week. Those common three names were first on the list, the ones you would expect, Tua, Justin Herbert, Jake Fromm. Past those three, are there any other names that would come to mind for you? Uh, draft eligible-wise? Yeah, yeah. That's that's the tough part. Uh, yeah, so obviously Trevor Lawrence, you know. Yeah, Trevor is not, Justin Fields is not. Um, no, I would say, you know, Jalen, but I think the problem is with Jalen, he's, I don't think the NFL is going to view him as a, uh, a quarterback. So I think he's going to be more of a Randall Cobb or maybe even Jalen Hurt type. Uh, Hurt type. So, uh, man, that's tough. I, I Honestly, I I can't throw it out there. I don't know. Yeah, it seems like it's those three and then everybody else. There were nine total quarterbacks listed. If I said to you that a former Alabama quarterback was fifth, I think your immediate name that would come to mind is Jalen Hurts, like you just said. Uh, he's going to play for person that we probably consider like the quarterback whisperer right now in Lincoln Riley and Norman. He has the tools. I think most people would agree with that. I think we all expect him to kind of have his way against the defenses of the Big 12. Uh, on the surface, it looks like it's really going to be a good situation for Jalen Hurts. I know the NFL opinions on him differ, but he'd at least be a name worth mentioning. He is nowhere on that list. Not even in yeah. honor- honorable mentions. Okay, So they do the first nine. Yeah, they do the first nine. And, and then they do a few honorable mentions. He's not on there. However, fifth on their list is no other than Blake Barnett. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm about to spit my beer out. Um, <laughs> why? Because uh, they like his Instagram? Or, or what I, is it? Like, I, I don't know. And honestly, <laughs> I, I looked into this. Part of the reasoning was that they just hired a pro-style coach. And, of course, his physical tools, and they think if he can adjust to this system that, that he'll be an intriguing prospect for the NFL. And, look, I didn't have the same reaction to Blake Barnett leaving in the middle of the season as, as a lot of other people did. I know it upset a lot of people, and I know, and obviously I know why it did. But he could preserve that year of eligibility by leaving when he did. And so he kind of did what was best for him. And, honestly, if he has a big season at South Florida – and somehow does get drafted, him saving that season of eligibility by leaving Alabama, it probably did pay off, looking back. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I hope it does for him. But it's hard to see how he's fifth on that list right now. Uh, I mean, the American Athletic Conference is not exactly known for their stout defense, right? Or unless I'm missing something? No. Yeah. No, you're not. So what Blake Barnett? Well, UAB, but their conference USA. So I gotcha. Okay. So so what Blake Barnett is facing every week at USF? It's kind of a far cry from what he would see on Sunday. Well, the biggest defense he faces every week though is the fact that his head coach is Charlie Strong. Okay, like that's the problem. Yeah, but like even even looking at his stats from last year, 
Now, he had a couple badass games. He had one game in particular he went off on. Well, then that must have been where all of his touchdowns came from because he threw yeah. he threw 12 touchdowns, 11 picks. Yeah, he, he had one game where he had multiple touchdowns passing and running the ball. Okay. Well, I, I didn't factor in the rushing touchdowns, so I was just strictly going off through there. Yeah, so, no, that's fine. Yeah, yeah no. Um, I mean, he always had a, he had a throwing motion he had to overcome at some point anyways straight out of high school, but – um, no, with him, I read a long form article. I want to say it was done on Bleacher Report last year. Um, I didn't realize not only did he get married, yeah. but he also had a kid last yeah. year when he transferred to South Florida from Arizona State. And it was a damn good story because, I, you know, I, I kind of I followed that kid so much coming out of high school uh, when he finally got on campus or in, early enrolled. I, I really I thought he was going to be special. And he's had a pretty well documented and pretty crazy and unique story and to read that last year and what he does every day uh you know in his life living off campus with a newborn training everything it's he's matured far more than you would have thought three years ago yeah i read that article as well and it really it kind of made you like i said i was never really a blake barnett hater but i feel like if you were at that point when he left Alabama and you read that article a couple years later, I think that that would probably was a tool used to kind of turn the page for a lot of people to where it, yeah. it made you made you want to see him do well at South Florida. Yeah. yeah, it was for me. And the only reason why was just because of comments he made after he'd left. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I get that. But that was about it. But no, I mean, it's, it was great to see. I mean, it's to watch somebody mature like that, you know, because hell I I'm, 10 years as senior almost, and I haven't matured that much. So, <laughs> yeah. But look, he, he had a 61.1 completion percentage, 2,705 yards, not, nothing that, that jumps off the page. And like I said, 12 touchdowns, 11 picks. Those stats, I mean, that's kind of like you're in the 2008 John Parker Wilson realm. <laughs> you know, with, well, I mean, really, though. Well, and the hair defines them, too. <laughs> yeah. uh, with decent yardage, uh, similar touchdown to interception ratio. Except John Parker did it against Clemson, LSU, Georgia, Florida that year. Barnett's yeah, facing defenses game. that give up 50 every Saturday. Well, he had one game. Uh, he threw two pick sixes in the first half. Uh, uh, Mississippi, Mississippi State. Or who, are we yeah. talking about John Parker? Or? No, no. I'm talking, well, that was a great comparison then because I was talking about Blake Barnett last <laughs> yeah. year. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that uh, – I don't know if that was the year. No, no, no. The, that was the previous year. John Parker, I think, threw like a 90-something yard yeah. pick six right before half. Or so, Yeah, I've tried to erase yeah, that from and, my memory. But Blake had an injury, too, that he dealt with for most of the season. Look, I am definitely not a Blake stand here, but, uh, yeah. you know, he, he had some injuries. But, yeah, he had one game absolutely terrible. It was close to the end of the year. But I, I think he, it's probably because what he had coming out of high school, why he was the number one uh, quarterback in the class that year, was his attributes, his height, his size his throwing arm, you know, how powerful it is, how if he can if you can tweak him his accuracy because he can throw a beautiful deep ball. Um just the knowledge, things like that. He's grown up. So I think people see a project with him, but the a very well worth risk, uh potentially. I don't. I, as in terms of the number five in college football that's yeah. draft eligible, no. That shocked so. me. Absolutely yeah. shocked me. It's really hard for me to see him turning a corner like that and becoming that legitimate of an NFL prospect. Uh, it's hard for me to see him fifth on that list. 
Uh, let me ask you this: between if if you're drafting tomorrow and you have to pick between the former Alabama quarterbacks, who do you take? Just a NFL team in, in, say, in say, general. Say it's the seventh round. You're the GM of an NFL franchise. Seventh round pick. It's down to those two. Oh well. No, I take Blake Barnett easily because he's something you can actually evolve into a quarterback with a seventh round pick. Jalen, you could do a seventh round pick, but you're going to put him at skill position. Okay, gotcha. All right, that's the way that's I feel about it. Yeah, I would go the other way. I would draft Jalen, but I mean, well, I could see, I could see why you would. Too, so. I, yeah. I mean, I could see why you would would go that way with it though too. Yeah, you know, seventh rounders are typically guys that end up getting cut anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you if you just want skill, you want potential to make a practice roster, score Jalen all day, you know, because of what you can use them across the board. Uh, but if you're if you're considering a quarterback in the seventh round or even after the fifth round with someone with just his build alone, you're going to take that chance if you are even considering a quarterback. Period. Yeah. So, but yeah, base it off potential tools. Yep. I got you. 100%. All right. Well, this has been the Roll Bama Roll Podcast. Roll Tide.